podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm so glad that you're joining us for the Seven Churches series. This series is about the seven churches in the book of Revelation. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I pray that you are strengthened and encouraged by today's message. We're in part four. We're talking about Thyatira this morning. Revelations chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. And uh, let's pray this really quick before we get started. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your work. Thank you for VBS this week, Lord. Our workers, our volunteers, Lord, refresh them and their strength. And I pray that the work, that uh, the, the word that was imparted, the, the work that was done by your spirit, Lord, to seal that, protect that in our kids. Lord, raise up a a righteous, godly generation, Lord. Help our church to be a part of that and do that. I pray that this morning that our hearts be good, soy, ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This is a little bit of a longer letter than the rest of them were. And I, I'm just going to, you know, I, again, I really don't know how this is going to go. This, this may be more lists, more knowledge, more teaching, um, but we'll just kind of see how it unfolds. But this is a little bit of a longer letter than what was written to the other churches. But Revelations chapter 2 and verse 18, if there was a subtitle, I guess, of this message, it would focus in on the spirit of Jezebel. But Revelations chapter 2 beginning in verse 18, And to the angel of the church of Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love, your faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your later works exceed the first. Verse 20, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is, a t- and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual morality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and of those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Notice, you know, it didn't say of their works. It says of her works, of her works. Repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart and will give to each of you according to to your works, but to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Verse 25, only hold fast to what you have until I come. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he'll rule over them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots and broken in pieces, even though I myself have received authority from my father. I will give him the morning star. He has an ear, let him hear, and let him hear what the Spirit says the churches. We're not going to tackle a lot of this. We're just we're really going to get to kind of, I want to lay a little foundation and then really get into about this Jezebel that Scripture is talking about here. But I, I want to remind you just of several things. I kind of want to build up to where we are because it's going to kind of open up the meaning of even the way that Jesus starts this letter. 
But of course, part one, we talked about Ephesus, and remember, Ephesus is you know, losing that first love, returning the works that you did before, and it's significant. When you go through these churches, I want to point it again about how Jesus uses something significant about that city to really open up, to express, to reveal something about his own nature. Ephesus, what Ephesus means, that city of Ephesus, it means desirable. And we know that the false god they worshipped was the goddess of love. And yet Jesus says, you've fallen away from your first love, me, and I'm asking you to return back to your works. Revelations 2, 4, I have this against you that you've abandoned the love you had at first. And so there's a, there's a correlation there. Smyrna, you know, it means bitter. Smyrna is where the Christians were really persecuted to a great extent. And even financially it was significant. And they were, they were martyred. And... They were in Smyrna, historically was known as the city who died and came back to life again. But Jesus said in Revelations 2.8, the angel of the Lord of the church of Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last, the, who died and came back to life. Again, Jesus saying, you, you may have claimed this identity, but the one who has done it is me. Powerful. Pergamum that we talked about last week. We talked about that sword, remember? We talked about that sword. Turn, Tony let me use the, the sword as an illustration. And But the emperor there, he had the sword of justice, Eos Gladii, and he could exercise judgment, capital punishment, on whoever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And But Jesus says in Revelations 2.12, And the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The words of him who is a sharp two-edged sword. Nobody has a sword like Jesus has. His word is that sword, remember, and that uh, divides bone and marrow and, and, and spirit and soul. And so then we get to Thyatira. And so something about Thyatira, when I, when I read about Thyatira, sometimes it reminds me, I, I, it really reminds me of Odessa because it was a blue-collar town. Thyatira was a blue, was a small blue-collar town the other cities we've talked about were, tr were in the trade route, were, were, were big cities, and then we come to this small town, very different from the other cities, but was also unique about Thyatira was that it had what was called trade guilds, trade guilds, and so, but the thing was, each of those trades, they had their own deity from the Greek and Roman gods, and so if you think of it this way, kind of, you can think about it like, Trades, you know, we have a lot of trades. We have welders, we have plumbers, electricians, and you know, uh, HVAC, you know, AC repair guys, that kind of thing. And so it'd be like each of one of those, they, if they had their own welding god, or their own electrician god, or their own, and, that, and so that's the kind of way that you have to look at this. And so it's real. We're, that's going to mean something in a moment, and so kind of keep that locked in your heart and your brain. But really, before we get to the next part, you know, so the, all all these cities worship false gods and emperor worship and Zeus, and we talked about Asclepius last week. But in Thyatira, they worshipped Apollo. Apollo was known as the son of Zeus. He was also, he was known as such things, think about this, he was known as such things as the Son of God, the God of sun and light, the God of redemption, and even a shepherd. And so this is what their main God that they worship. And so thinking about that now, so they boasted that they were the city 
of the Son of God. And so let's re- let me remind you what Revelation 2.18 says. And the angel of the church of Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God, capital S, capital G, whose eye, and then he gives this description, whose eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So put it simple. I mean, Jesus opening up this letter and he's saying Jesus is the only son of the true God. You may be worshiping this false God, but I'm speaking to you now, the son of God, of the one true God. He gives a little more description about himself. If you read in Revelations 1, I'm not sure if I have this verse on the screen or not, but Revelations 1.14 says, The hairs of his head were white, like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. His voice like the roar of many waters. Revelations 2 kind of gives that same description. So many people are in argument about Christ's ethnicity and what he looked like and all those types of things. And I'm going to tell you, most humanity has it wrong. I mean, yes, he was, he was a Jewish man in a Jewish culture. But think about this description. His head were, was white like wool, his hair like snow, his eyes like fame of flame of fire, his feet like burnished bronze. That's a pretty apt description. And, you know, I mean, just kind of a side note, you know, there are so many people that, uh, and act, there's many places that counter this. And max, actually, on one of our Wednesday nights, this is one of the things that we'll talk about. Did Jesus call himself God? There's so many people that uh, argue against Christianity because Jesus never said, I am God. But yet, you have to know Jewish culture and understand the original language in some of the verses that we read. One example is the woman at the well. And the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he, remember this, there's this conversation, the disciples went off to get some food, she's drawing water, she's like, he's like, you've been with a bunch of guys, and the guy you're with now is not even your husband, and there's this exchange going on, and so verse 25, she says this, I know that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah only means one thing, that is the Son of God, that, and it says, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. I mean, what she's saying is, when the Son of God comes, when God as Jesus comes, and then how did Jesus respond to her in verse 26? I who speak to you am he. That's a pretty direct confirmation, don't you think? And so something that they were commended for, number three is this, they were growing in their faith. There were other of these churches that were not. And this is really important to remember, especially when we get to the characteristics of Jezebel. But they were growing in their faith. It tells us that I know your works, I know your faith, I know your love, I know your patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. I mean, he told Ephesus to return to the things you did at first. And yet he's telling about Thyatira that your works exceed the first. I mean, so there's spiritual maturity taking place in them. Now, something else that's very important to remember, especially when we get to number four here about Jezebel. And so we read in verse 20, but I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now this, a couple things, is that Probably, in reality, most likely, this was not actually a lady in the church named Jezebel. 
Matter of fact, after, historically, that we're going to talk about her in 1 Kings, that Queen Jezebel, it is, it is safe to assume that no Jewish person would name their daughter Jezebel. Matter of fact, most people, even Jewish or Gentile, would not name their daughter Jezebel. Matter of fact, I looked it up. There are less than 500 women, people, ladies in the U.S. that's named Jezebel. Out of all of our population. Think about that. For, I mean, that name had an impact. You don't mean a lot of people named Delilah either. Some of you get that in a second. Um, you tolerate this woman, Jezebel. And, you know, it was interesting if you, you know, I, I posted this on social media. Uh, it was just, it really, I, I thought it was pretty cool. But John Bevere, um, evangelist, you know, many of you may have read some of his books. But he's, he put this out on social media this week. Jesus warns the church in Thyatira against tolerance which was leading them into morality and idolatry. Our culture often confuses love and tolerance. The two couldn't be more different. Love seeks the other person's good. Tolerance seeks to be taught, thought of as good in another person's eyes. I want to say that again. That's a great definition. That love seeks the other person's good. Tolerance seeks to be thought of as good in another person's eyes. Love comes from fearing God. Tolerance comes from fearing man. Nowhere in scripture is tolerance held up as a virtue. And I want to interject there that uh, he's talking about in relation with men. Just as a reminder to anchor your values in God's word, not in a world's, uh, world's broken system. And so it says, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. So just for a second, let's talk about tolerance. Tolerance in scripture has a very specific meaning. It means patient self-control. It means restraint. And when it talks about this patient, self-control, restraint, it's always talking about God's view of us. It's forbearance. And so that's what we see happen in Scripture. Tolerance in our society is believing that evil is good. I mean, we're, we're all familiar with the, the hot word in our culture of tolerance. But tolerance towards Jezebel specifically and Revelations 2 was allowing without refuting. And so she was, she was a false teacher teaching false things, and they tolerated her, meaning that they allowed her to continue to teach and continue to deceive without addressing it or confronting it, allowing it to happen. The short of Jezebel, when you look back in the, first, in the Old Testament, is that she was a queen. She was, a, she was married to Ahab. And um, you can read 1 Kings 16 uh, through 21 and later on and really get, you know, kind of the whole story of Jezebel. But she was very, as a queen, she was very manipulative. She was murderous. She was really just plain evil. And so there was this encounter uh, that Elijah had. You remember the prophet Elijah that he had on Mount Carmel? Anybody remember that story? I mean, it's the short of it. You know, there's all there's 850 false prophets, and there's Elijah, and they have this showdown between whose God is real, and so these 850 prophets, they're doing their thing, trying to get fire to fall from heaven, and when you read the passage, I, I, it kind of makes me laugh, because 
I mean, it's, I mean uh, Elijah really starts, you know, kind of egging them on and making fun of them. And, and then Elijah calls fire from heaven and it comes down, even though they soaked it with water, licks it up. And then Elijah kills all eight, 850 of these prophets. And in 1 Kings 19, um, verses 2 and 3, it says, Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So this is after he killed these 850 prophets. So, that, so, that, so may the gods do to me and more also if I don't make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Meaning she wanted to kill him. Then he was afraid and he rose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. And so the thing is this. When you read about, so here's Elijah. So think about this. We're, we're taking from who the character traits of Jezebel in 1 Kings 18 and the pursuing chapters into Revelations 2 to understand the spirit of Jezebel. And so the reality is this, is here's, I mean, I don't know about you, I like to think that if I was in that situation with Elijah and here, I mean, I just saw God do something spectacular. I mean, he just sent fire from heaven, consumed these sacrifices, and then only an Old Testament style kills all these prophets. I mean, I, that, that's like victory, right? That's like victory like none other. And after it's said and done, he gets a letter from Jezebel. I'm going to kill you. I mean, you would think he would be at least high on the adrenaline with what he just saw God do. I mean, I, I would like to think, I'd have said, I dare you. Did you just see what I just did, lady? You try to come after the servant of God. But what did Elijah do? Elijah ran. Why? That's how manipulative and, and how much fear that that spirit of Jezebel strikes in the heart of people. So the thing is this. Can believers be influenced by demonic spirits? Uh, the answer is yes. Believers can be influenced by demonic spirits. And so I'm focusing in on the spirit of Jezebel, but this can really relate to any kind of spiritual warfare and any kind of encounter with demonic spirits. Are you following me? And so we see that demonic spirits, yes, they can influence believers. But this is so important because this is like, this is, you know, a lot of people argue on this topic. Christians can be oppressed by the enemy, meaning they can be influenced they can be weighed down, they can be impacted by the enemy, but not possessed by the enemy. If you are a believer and you're in some kind of spiritual warfare, yes, you can be influenced by the enemy, but you need to know something. He cannot fill your heart. If light and darkness cannot mix, I don't care what teaching's out there. If you're covered in the blood of Jesus, You've got a shelter. You've got a protection. I mean, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to be able to stand against what? The schemes, the manipulation of the devil. So believers can be influenced. I mean, think of it this way. Since here in just a few weeks, I'll be talking about alcohol. I'm going to use it for an illustration. When somebody is inebriated with alcohol, one of the things we call that is what? That they are influenced, right? I mean, if somebody's drinking and driving, what is that called? DUI, driving under the influence. 
Now, if you take a Christian and you take a non-believer, and that non-believer gets wasted, and you got the Christian that gets wasted, is one under the influence and one not? No, they're both what? They're both influenced by this outside thing. And it's the same thing in the spirit realm. And so I, this is just for grins. I, it's just a, you know, sometimes I come across quotes. This is one I've kind of had in there for a while. And, uh, you know, when you, we know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Jack Hayford said this. You can't cast out of, you, you can't cast, you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple demons. <laughs> You know, anyway, I know that may be a COVID moment, you know, that, that's in there, so don't worry about it. All right, so characteristics of Jezebel. So let's look specifically at characteristics of Jezebel. One of the main ones is manipulation. A characteristic of a Jezebel is manipulation. In 1 Kings 21, 5, when in 1 Kings 21, something happens called Naboth's Vineyard. And I hear at some point, I've kind of got on my mind and my heart to actually just preach on this one passage. But in essence, here's this guy named Naboth. He has a vineyard. Ahab wants the vineyard. He goes into depression about it and acts like a spoiled child, stops eating, comes back to his palace. And, and Jezebel's like, what's wrong with you, dude? He's like, I want Naboth's vineyard. And she's like, but you're the king. And so she concocts this plan. In essence, what happens is is that Naboth gets killed. He gets murdered so that Ahab can have the, the vineyard. We read in 1 Kings 21.5, there was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, but look what it says, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. A Jezebel will always be manipulative. Always be manipulative. And, I, you know, and as I go through these, I, you know, and I know, you know, <laughs> you know, don't be like, you know, or is anybody one of those people that you get some symptoms about something, and so then you go and Google it, and you're like, I've got six months to live, I'm dying. <laughs> I've got some weird cancer, and I know you just need vitamin A or something, I, you know. I, so I, I, I want to caution you as we go through these. You know, don't, uh, my goal is for you not be, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. <laughs> or that's me. But it's to be aware. It's to be aware of those schemes. And uh, when it really comes down to it, when you deal with anything in the spiritual realm, one of the key gifts of the Spirit that we need to have is discernment. Amen. Is discernment. And so, anyway, so Jezebel is manipulative. And so we can see back in Revelations chapter 2 that she was teaching the church to be sexually immoral and to sacrifice to idols. And so most likely the teaching was this, is that, and I may repeat myself later on, I may be ahead of myself, I don't know. But the teaching was this, possibly because they had all these trade guilds, right? And all these trade guilds had their own gods, and so they would sacrifice to those gods. So it's quite, we can assume that's what she was telling them, go ahead and sacrifice to the god of your trade guild, so, and you'll be okay. And so there's this, this, I mean, think about the power of that manipulation. 
A second thing is controlling. A second thing is that a Jezebel is controlling. And I, I wish I could go deeper into this, but I got so much I want to cover. But Romans 16, 17, I think is such a, a powerful couple of verses here, 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites, listen, by smooth talk, flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. When I read that, I, 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 I kind of come away with well, several conclusions, but one of them is this. I, 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 may, uh, I, I, I don't want to be the naive. I mean, I, I, I don't want to be the one that, may, you know, <laughs> this saying it keeps going in my head. And I, don't, I, I think I'm getting it entirely wrong. But anyway, you know, you can, I, I may have fell off the turnip truck, but it wasn't last night, you know. Um, a, second, a third thing is this, pride and arrogance. Pride and arrogance always accompanies a Jezebel. Pride in of that, just that satisfaction of look, look, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look how I'm impacting. And of course, that arrogance of just really thinking more highly of themselves, that inflated opinion of self. Refusal to submit to godly authority is, a, is, the, is the next thing. Refusal to submit to godly authority. And I do interject in there godly authority. Because in our culture, we have a difficult time when people in spiritual authority talk about submission. It is difficult to hear. And one of the reasons why is because authority of any kind and especially spiritual has been abused towards so many people and that's the importance of godly authority listen to me if you want to grow and mature as a believer you need to be submitted to godly authority hebrews 13 17 obey your leaders submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls i want you, you need to really catch the description of what it says here watch over your souls i mean i you know, I'm not saying this out of pride and arrogance, but if you only knew how much I plead the blood of Jesus over you. If you only knew how many times, because y'all tend to sit in the same place every single week. We, we might do an upset the fruit basket. That I sit right where you're sitting and I pray for you. Your leaders submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account, listen to me, could I twist off and be that manipulative, abusive leader? Absolutely I could, but I want to tell you, there is, there is the fear of the Lord in me that I know something. That every encounter that I have with you, that every interaction that I have with you, that everything that I teach you, I'm going to be held accountable for. I understand that solemn responsibility. But listen, those who have, will give it an account, and I would say this also, if you have been hurt by someone in spiritual authority, I'm going to tell you, God's not going to let them get away with it. Amen. Let them do this. Listen, so I'm, I'm just going to just read this, and then you can just take it for what it's worth. 
because, you know, the way, there's no telling what I might say that's not the Lord. So, um, (laughs) man, I already said too much. Let them do this with joy and not groaning. Don't make me groan over you guys, please. Oh, for that would be of no advantage to you. Okay, we'll move on. Another thing is fits of rage. Jezebel will have a tendency for fits of rage. And any one of these can be a spiritual attack by any other spirit, but fits of rage. Ecclesiastes 7, I'm be quick not in your spirit to become angry, for angry lodges in the heart of fools. If your response, if you're so caught so much in the flesh, and when anything happens, and, and I mean, your instant thing is like, you're ready. I mean, you know, I, I'm, you know, if, if you wear the t-shirt that says, I'm saved, but I'll punch you. <laughs> there's two things that are happening. Either there's something in your emotional life that you need to let God heal and process, or you may be being attacked by a spirit. Another one is compromise. And, of course, we know that's exactly, if there was a hallmark about Jezebel was her compromise of teaching the church to partake in sexual morality and sacrificing to idols. So what is the disguise of a Jezebel? The thing, the problem so many times to those that maybe don't have the gift of discernment or are not discerning is that the mask of Jezebel well, and this, I want to tell you, nine times out of ten, if somebody is being controlled or influenced by the spirit of Jezebel, I don't think they look in the mirror and know what's going on. Because deception is deceiving. So the disguise of a Jezebel, they're usually good teachers. Matter of fact, I would dare say they're always good teachers. And we know that from Revelations 2, what... I mean, you would have to be one for me to stand up here and say, you know what, guys? It is okay for you to go have affairs. And for you to take it hook, line, and sinker, I'd have to be a pretty gifted teacher. Hello? Right? There was this evangelist one time that convinced this church that the devil lived in everything, like anything inanimate and especially clothes. This is a true story, especially clothes. And so he convinced that church, it was a small church, but the, and then they were trying to escape. The, I don't know exactly what they were trying to do or trying to go, but they all in the church stripped down naked and they all loaded up in a few cars and they were going. So here's a bunch of church people nude. If you're very, you know, picture oriented, I'm sorry. Driving down the street in their Cadillacs. And it was an AG church. I mean, what kind of gifted teacher would you have to be to con- I mean, if I started preaching that doctrine right now, I mean, any partakers, anybody? Sorry. They're going to be good. To- and they're also influencers because of that. They're able to influence people. They're able to have that control of people, directing and and uh, dare I say, almost like puppets on a string. They're also usually, not always, usually charismatic. Charismatic. And I, I want you to process something just really quick. If sexual sin is prominent with Jezebel's, if good teachers is prominent with Jezebel's, if influence is prominent with Jezebel's, if, if, char- if charisma is, think about, and I say this 
I say this very carefully, but if you've been in church in a while, you know that, the, that I would say the last 60 years of all the prominent men and women that have fallen because of sexual sin, because of greed, think about that for a moment. I, I'm not saying that any one of them was impacted by a Jezebel spirit, but I would dare say could be. But also Jezebels, when they tend to get caught, when they tend to get find, found out, they play the victim. They don't accept, they don't take responsibility for their actions. They're, they're really at a place of, 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 of a stuck place in emotional and spiritual maturity. They're easily offended and hold on to offenses. They're very argumentative. They battle in themselves with comparison. They're, they're, they can consistently compare themselves to other people around them. They struggle even with self-pity of why can't I be like that? Why can't I have that? Why is this happening in my life? They tend to just cut people out of their life. And so here's the crucial thing. How do you determine if you're being influenced by Jezebel spirit? The first thing is fear. Is fear. We read just a few moments ago of what did Elijah do. We see in 1 Kings 19 that he gets, the, you know, he killed all of these prophets. 850. I mean, do you think those 850 prophets lined up and said, okay, Elijah, kill me with your sword? I mean, do you think that's what they did? I would dare say some of them fought back. And yet he was able to take them all out. And so then Jezebel sends this messenger to Elijah. I'm going to do to you exactly what you did to those prophets. And so it says, verse 3, he was afraid. Everybody say afraid. And he rose and he ran. Everybody say ran. For his life. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, power, but of power, love, and a sound mind. When you, so many times, when even if, 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 when people confront a Jezebel, the instant feeling and sensation and impact will be that of fear. I mean, why were the, the, the Thyatirans, why were the, this church of Thyatira, why were they allowing, why were they tolerating this teaching from Jezebel? Could it be they did not want to confront her because of the fear it struck into them? The second thing that happens, the impact that you could possibly be being impacted by and influenced by a Jezebel spirit is depression. Look at verse 4 of Elijah. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat down under, you know, if I, like if, if the Lord had used me to be the writer, I would have said plopped. But it says sat, sat down under the broom tree, and he asked that what? He might die. It is enough now, O oh Lord. Take away my life, for I'm no better than my father's. He just had one of the greatest victories we see in the Old Testament. He runs for his life, and then he plops down by this tree and says, Okay, Lord, I'm worthless. Take me. That sounds like depression to me. And so many, if you're struggling even with depression, it could be a spirit of Jezebel that's impacting you. 
Number three is this, exhaustion. In verses 5 and 6 of 1 Kings, and so this, we're looking at the impact that Jezebel had on this prophet, the prophet of God, Elijah. The third thing is exhaustion. 1 Kings 19, 5 and 6. And he laid down and he slept under a broom tree, and behold, an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water, and he ate and drank and lay down again. I'm going to tell you, sometimes to fight in spiritual warfare, eat some cake and take a nap. I mean, I'm being, I'm, I'm being very serious. Yes, we need to pray, we need to seek God, we need to fast, we do what we can do, but sometimes you just need to take a nap and eat some cake. And matter of fact, I'm, you know, matter, I mean, we see the first instance of angel food cake. Everybody knows angel food cakes from angels. Maybe he had a little strawberries and some sugar and whipped cream. I don't know. But he ate and drank. Listen, when you are being bombarded by the principalities and powers, it's going to wear you out. It's going to exhaust you. And sometimes you just need to rest. Listen, Sabbath, God gave us Sabbath for a reason. Listen, I, when... I know I have a couple of ministers' friends. One time, when we were traveling, I, I, there was times I filled in for some of them, you know. But I, there was this one couple that I filled in for. And actually, we were talking at district council. And, I mean, just kind of almost just uh, braggingly, they said, we haven't taken a vacation in seven years. And I said, you're stupid. I said, that's stupid. I mean, for anyone, it doesn't matter if you're in ministry or if you're in the orphan or where you are, take time off. Isolation is the fourth thing. First Kings 19.10. I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I... I mean, the arrogance of the statement when it really comes down to, and I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. I mean, he had so excluded himself, and you keep reading the story. I mean, God rebukes him and says, you're not the only one, Elijah. I got a whole bunch of other prophets. But, I mean, he had this place of isolation. And so if you find yourself... If you find yourself gripped with fear, you find yourself in places of depression, exhausted, isolating from all of those that love you, you could be impacted by a Jezebel spirit. And that's exactly, I have seen it happen. I have seen it happen from men, from men of, from, from, from ministers using their place of authority to drive wedges in between families to deceive of those that are trying to get their following from. Number five is sickness. and We, we don't see in the occurrence where Elijah was, but Revelations 2.22 specifically tells us, is this helping? Is this okay? You're kind of quiet. Number five, Revelations 2.22, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent. So There's so many times that... that uh, Sickness can be a spirit of infirmity. 
Sickness can be a spirit of infirmity. I, you know, this, when, a couple of weeks ago when I, you know, I had COVID and I called my doctor. I mean, my, I really appreciate my doctor. He's a great family doctor and we're in the, you know, our teledoc thing. And, and what he always says, he said, well, he said, odds are you'll be fine. He's like, you know, uh, there's no big deal. But, you know, since it's available, we might as well throw the kitchen sink at it. I'm like, I'm fine with whatever. I mean, so he prescribes me all these different things and, you know, got me in and I got, a, I got the infusion thing, whatever it is, and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's available. Well, you know, why not? I believe in medication. I, there, you know, if I, gotta, if I got a headache, I'm going to drink some water and take some Tylenol. Right? If I got a cough, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some NyQuil so I can sleep that. I mean, you know, it's, it's what we do. But listen to me. There's so many times that, a, uh, that, that we get impacted because of demonic influence with the spirit of infirmity. I mean, if you are sick all the time, if you're sick all the time, if there's always something, I'm not saying it is, but you might need to go to the Lord and say, okay, God, if, if this is a spirit in my life, I want it broken. I don't, I don't want to be influenced. I don't want to be oppressed by this spirit of infirmity anymore. Are you following me? Number seven is pity. We kind of talked about that a while ago, but those impacted by, um, by the Jezebel spirit, they will contend and deal with pity. First Kings 19, 9. Then there came the cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Has the Lord ever said that to you? What are you doing? I've, I've had him say that to me. Why are you being so hard-headed? Verse 10, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord and the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your, I mean, that kind of sound like, down your altars and killed your prophets. I mean, the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, that kind of what it sounds like is going on right here. And I, even I, only left and they seek to take my life. So how do you overcome Jezebel's influence? How do you overcome Jezebel's influence? The first thing you do is you repent. The first thing you do is repent. And in Revelations 2, 21 and 22, we see, it, we see that Jesus said in this letter, I gave her time to repent, but she refused to do it. I gave her time, and she refused to do it. This may not be necessarily a connection, but I want to say I, really, I feel this witness in my heart right now. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. I know I've shared something like this before. But I want to say it again right now. There may be, there are people, there are people that don't understand the verse, the promise that his kindness leads us to repentance. So many times we justify where we are in life because nothing bad has happened yet. Are you, hello? Listen to me. Sometimes, just because you have an emotional encounter with God that might even cause you to weep, cry, break, feel goosebumps, feel the presence of the Lord, that doesn't necessarily mean that you've had a salvation, life-changing encounter with God. How many people have we seen walk through doors of churches that come in, have those experiences, leave the church, and don't change? The reason that happens is because kindness leads to repentance. 
God's trying to call to, to draw you in by his goodness. But the goal is still repentance. And you might say, well, is it really my fault that I've been influenced by the Jezebel and you want me to repent? I mean, do you remember what it said? And behold, I'll throw under a sickbed and those who give adultery with her will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. But I want to remind you again, this repent that we see here is just not about a changing of a direction, but it's the changing of the way that you think. And the Bible says that our minds are renewed, right? We, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. God's word changes the way that we process, the way that we think. And so we're able to turn from those deceptions. And so it comes down to this. And I close with this. And James 4, 7, I'm sure many of you know this verse. And I share this. This is, if you feel like you're under spiritual attack and demonic influence. I mean, that could be manifesting in several ways. You may see the, those unhealthy characteristics being prominent in your life. You may be in a place of self-pity, a place of depression, a place of fear. A place, you're having nightmares. You can't get rest. You go to bed and it, it doesn't matter how many naps you take or what you do, you can't get rest. You can't you're not recharged, you're, you, you, you feel like you're on an island and you're isolated, whatever the case may be, whether the, the root of it is a Jezebel or the root of it is just spiritual warfare and demonic influence, there is a way to be free. And James 4, 7 gives us that prescription. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he might leave you alone for a few days he'll 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 let you have a good night rest tonight submit yourselves therefore to God resist the devil and he'll what he will everybody say will flee he will not might not should not possibly he do you believe God's word do you believe God's word has all the authority the promises of God so, but what? I'm going to tell you this. Listen, I, this may be kind of a mean way to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. If the devil's not fleeing from you, then you're not submitting or resisting somewhere. If, if, if it's a constant, it's, it's unrelenting, it never ceases, it never stops, it's a vicious cycle, then the only two things that is happening is somewhere in your life, you're not fully submitted to the Lord or you're not resisting that temptation from the enemy. And so what do you do? You submit and you resist. 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 You understand the importance to know what God's word teaches us. Because that's what you're submitting to, to the authority of his word, of what he's laid out for us and how to live. If you want to be free and the enemy flee from you, then surrender. I, the only way I want to say it this way is that dead men don't have rights. 
You know what? I, I can write down all kinds of wishes and wants for my funeral service and how I want to be buried and where I want to be buried. I've told Angela I want to be cremated and put into a deer feeder. And I doubt she's going to do that. Why? Because I'm dead. I ain't got a say in the matter. Hello? I ain't got a say in it. If you want to be free, submit fully. Quit making excuses for the way that you're living. Quit making excuses. Submit to God and resist the enemy. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. Again, if you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at odessafirst.com or on any social media platform. I hope that you are encouraged through today's message and that you'll join us again.